Thank you, Brother Terry. Thank you to our praise team, and thank all of you who participated in worship that are here and those viewing elsewhere. If you brought your Bibles, turn to the Old Testament, to the book of Judges. To the book of Judges, I want us to look at Judges chapter 1, selected verses there. As I share with you this uh, morning about fighting the Canaanites, I've been thinking about culture, uh, our culture today in America and where we're headed and what we're doing. And I think we can learn a lesson from uh, the Israelites as they came up, up, came up against the Canaanites. And we can find this in Judges chapter 1. And uh, we'll look through, the, through Judges 1 and then some other scriptures. Let's look at Judges chapter 1 and we'll look at verses 1 through 4 and then verse 28. Judges 1 verse 1. Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall be first to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hand. So Judah said to Simeon, his brother, Come up with me to my allotted territory that we may fight against the Canaanites, and I will likewise go with you to your allotted territory. And Simeon went with him. Now, if you will, turn to verse 28. Verse 28. And it came to pass, when Israel was strong, that they put the Canaanites under tribute, but did not completely drive them out. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to come and to worship you. And so, Father, now as we've opened your word, we pray that you will speak to our hearts. Help us, we pray, in America today that we would return to you. I pray there would be a great revival that would break out, and I pray that it would begin here, begin somewhere Hear, Lord, I pray. Help us, we pray, to seek you in all things. And Father, I pray you'll speak to our hearts again through your word this morning as we deal with the culture that's in our land. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. As you survey the book of Joshua and as you survey the book of Judges, you'll find they're both quite different. In the book of Joshua, you have victory. In the book of Judges, you have defeat. In the book of Joshua, you have heavenlies. And in the book of Judges, you have the earthlies. In the book of Joshua, you have a shout of victory. But in the book of Judges, you have a shout of defeat. And so the book of Judges gives us information about the moral deterioration of Israel. What happened to Israel is the same thing that's taking place in America today. The book of Judges explains to us why we're in the mess that we're in as a nation. 
It tells how we got there. And it also tells us how we can get out of the mess. You'd have to be living under a rock for a certain number of years not to notice the tremendous moral decay that's in our country, that's in America. Jerry Vines, I like what he said. I've used it before, but I'll share it again. He says, we've gone from the eagle being our national bird to the buzzard. It's about as low as you can get morally. And so when you read Judges chapter 1, you'll find that the word Canaanite or Canaanites is used 14 times. The Canaanites were in the land of promise when the Israelites arrived. And when God's people went into the land of promise, they found themselves surrounded by the Canaanites, but also engulfed in this Canaanite culture. Now remember, the culture of any nation is very important. Remember, whatever the culture is, that's what the people become. Whatever the culture is, that's what the people become. And so make a note that the culture of a nation is the sum total of its religious beliefs, its social structure, its ethical standard, and also its moral behavior. All of that, religious beliefs, social structure, ethical standards, moral behavior, all of that becomes the sum total of a nation because of its culture. So the point is, when the Israelites came into Canaan, God was very specific in what they should do. They were to conquer the Canaanites, and they were to drive them out of the land. That was the command, a command from God. Conquer the Canaanites, drive them out of the land. No question to it. No compromise whatsoever. Because, you see, they couldn't live together because they were complete opposites in regards to philosophy and also in regards to spiritual approaches to life. They were completely different. And God says, I want you to drive them out of the land. You're different from the Canaanites. Let me give you an example. First of all, the children of Israel believed in one God. He was Jehovah. They believed in one God. The Canaanites believed there were many gods. They believed in Baal. They believed in the Ashtoreth. They believed in the groves. They believed in many gods. So first, the children of Israel believed one god. The Canaanites believed in several gods. But secondly, the children of Israel believed that God had spoken to them through his word, by his word. And in his word, he had spoken to them directly in and by and through his word. However, on the other hand, the Canaanites believed that everybody just did what suited them. So you have the Israelites. They believe that God has spoken to them by his word. Then you have the Canaanites. We believe, they would say, we just do what we feel or people just do what they feel that suits them. So therefore, the two could not coexist with each other. The point is, one of the two 
would have to compromise. One of the two would have to compromise. Now, the reason that they were uh, uh, that way is they had totally two different belief systems. I mentioned those. And so we're studying the book of Judges this morning because the Canaanites represent America in the last 40, 50 years. We're like the Canaanites of that time. Now, there are people here perhaps today, others that are viewing, that believe things and do things that they don't know why they believe it, nor do they know why they do them. Abortion, for one. Some people may even hear those viewing may believe in abortion. Some here, some viewing may believe in homosexuality. They may believe in, in same-sex marriage. They may believe in gambling. They may believe in cohabitation. They may believe in fornication. They may believe in adultery. They may believe in drugs or alcohol. Why? They've been canonized. They've succumbed to the culture. Therefore, God gives us insight from the book of Judges. What happens to a nation when they follow the path of the Canaanites? Now, Israel became canonized. That's why we should be careful today. God's people, Israel, became canonized, and that's why we should be careful as his people today. So the question is, what took place in the land that brought moral deterioration to the nation, Israel? Look, if you will, to the last chapter of Judges, verse uh, 25. Last chapter, verse chapter 21. Look at verse 25. And the question was, what took place in the land that brought moral deterioration to the nation Israel? Verse 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Now, that's the second time this statement's been made. It was made again in, in uh, Judges chapter 17, verse 6. The same statement. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Now, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Notice it didn't say that everybody did what was wrong, but it says everybody did what was right. And so listen, God has revealed himself through his word. So here's the point. His word is his standard. His word is his authority. That's his word. The point is, his word was his standard. His word was his authority. However, there's been a shift in the thinking. Here it is. They moved away from what God said about the matter to what they themselves thought about the matter. See the shift? At one time, Israel says, hey, God has spoken to us through his word, and now everybody did what was right in their own eyes. 
So you see the shift in the thinking. And so what you have, they move from what God said about the matter to what they themselves taught about the matter. And so the point was and is and is today, God was no longer their authority. They were going to do what they wanted to do. Now you expect people without God do that. But what about people who call themselves believers that do that? They themselves became the authority. So the question is, does this sound familiar? They just do what they feel that is right in their own eyes. Does that sound familiar? Let me ask you a question. Who's your authority? Who's your authority in regards to adultery? Who's your authority? And what is your authority? Or who is your authority in regards to homosexuality or fornication or gay marriage or drugs or alcohol? Transgender. Where's your authority on that? Coming from God or coming from what you want to do in your own eyes? What about gambling, church attendance, the Lord's day? Is this your day and you can do what you want, or is this the Lord's day set aside for him, for you to worship with him individually and as your family and spend the whole day just worshiping the Lord and thinking on him? Where's your authority? thought it was quite interesting when we touched on uh, the word gambling there a few minutes ago. The Alabama Baptist, I hope all of you get this little newspaper. I would like to just uh, make a note. This comes every week. It's the cheapest paper that you'll find in regards to the expense. And what's neat about it, the president, uh, the president and the editor um, in charge this paper is Jennifer Davis Rash. And Jennifer grew up in this church. And we've had some issues to come up about gambling. We're going to have some come up about alcohol pretty soon, from what I understand. But uh, here's the recent articles in the recent defeat of gambling in the Senate. Listen to this. The odds of winning at slots are 35 to 2. In fact, these are the worst odds in the casino. The odds of winning the top prize are as high as 1 to 33,554,000. At blackjack, gamblers lose 75% of the time. Winning bets seldom make up for the amount of loss on previous bets. People are more likely to sight a UFO than to win the lottery. They're also more likely to die of a flesh-eating disease and get hit by lightning or to die in a car accident before they win the lottery. That's by Kevin Johnson, who's really winning at the slots. Moneywise.com. How about this? A significant portion of casino revenue now comes from a small percentage of customers, most of them likely addicts, Playing machines that are designed explicitly to, to lull them into a trance-like state that the industry refers to, the industry refers to as continuous gambling productivity. 
And that's from John Rosengren of, quote, How Casinos Enable Gambling Addicts, The Atlantic, December the 16th. It's really interesting. Now, about some things coming up for our state legislator to, the legislation to vote on. House Bill 161 will legalize sports wagering. House Bill 199 will legalize a state-sponsored lottery. House Bill 200 will legalize casino gambling. Listen to this. House Bill SB 46 will legalize medical marijuana. This is Alabama. Senate Bill 287 uh, relates to alcohol sales. Uh, House Bill 246, a measure to allow local boards of education to offer yoga to students, kindergarten through 12th grade. The question is, where do you get your authority? When it comes to this, I've just mentioned, where do you get your authority? Is it to do what you want to do, or are you wanting to do what God wants you to do? Everybody does what he thinks is right. The point is, man has become his own authority. So regardless what some may say, our country was founded on God, on his son, and on his word, the authority of his word. You know, about 50, 60 years ago, there was a revolution. And this revolution began to take place and it completely changed the moral and spiritual atmosphere of this country. 1960. 62% believed the Bible was the literal word of God. 1992, 62%. 1992, 32% believed the Bible was the literal word of God. 1991, 67% believed there's no absolute truth. 1994, 72% believe there's no absolute truth. 1994, 62% born-again Christians who say they're saved believe the Bible was, no, was not the absolute truth. Meaning, what is true for me may not be true for you. Here's the point. If it suits you, it's all right for you to do. So, friend, we're living in a day where there's no authority, no guideline for truth. Now, remember this. Every time you remove the authority for truth, the result will always be moral decay. Always. When you move away from the Word of God, you move away from all the authority of moral matters and that's why we're in the mess that we're in in America and that's why we're acting like the Canaanites there are people in church today in church today every Sunday every Sunday morning viewing on their devices that'll say this they'll say that I'm saved I'm born again I love the Lord I'm going to heaven but the real truth of the matter is no longer does God's word have authority in their life. They do what they think is right. If it suits them, then it's okay. And that's what the book of Judges is all about. 
And so we need a new revolution in America. Returning to the authority of the word of God. So how does Israel lose the cultural war? How can we win the cultural war? Real quick, really, really quick. First of all, you've got to fight against the Canaanites. Chapter 1 begins with Israel fighting the Canaanites. Get the picture. Israel believes in the word of God. They believe in his authority. They're living a clean life. They're living a pure life. They're living a separated life unto God. However, all around them were the Canaanites. They were godless. They were polytheistic, several gods. They were immoral. They were vulgar. And remember, those two kinds of cultures cannot live side by side. And so it is in America. So you have the Christian, you have the Christian perspective, and then you have the godless perspective. And they cannot coexist. One is going to win out over the other. And so God told Israel to fight against the culture, fight against the Canaanites, and they did, and they won victory. But notice the key ingredients in how they fought against the Canaanites. First of all, look at verse 2. Verse 2 says in chapter 1, Israel asked the Lord. First of all, look at verse 2, I'm sorry, the Lord said. And so you have the word of God. You have the word of God. The Lord said. The Lord said, we would call that the Bible today. So first we win the victory as we claim the authority of God's word. So the church is not only to play uh, 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 defense. We're not to play defense. We're not to retreat. The church is to be on the offense. And so we have this glorious gospel that, that we're to drive down, to, down the middle of the world in regards to salvation through Jesus Christ and him alone, and attack the devil at every end. Jesus said it this way. He said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's offense. We're charging the gates of hell. We're not to stay within the four walls of this church. Jesus said that we're to be the salt, and we're to be the light. We've got to get out of the shaker if we're going to do any good whatsoever, and the light isn't any good until you let it shine. And so we have to move out. We have to go against the forces of hell. We have to charge the gates of hell. And that's why it's real important to have Christians on school boards and city councils and city boards because we need Christian followers of Jesus in every aspect of the culture in America. We don't need a retreat, but we're on the offense. We're on the offense to get the word out, and we can win the victory. So how do we win over this culture? First of all, jot it down. We fight the Canaanites, verses 2 through 13. What's the second thing we do? We pray, verse 1. Verse 1 says, And they asked the Lord, saying, Who shall be first to go up for us against the Canaanites? And so we pray. There's power in prayer. Riley spoke to us about prayer this morning. Have you prayed today? Did you pray yesterday? Have you prayed this week? Have you prayed with someone? Have you prayed? So to win a culture war, we have to first fight. Secondly, we have to pray. And third, there must be mutual cooperation. Look at verse 3. 
Judah said to Simeon, his brother, Come up with me to my allotted territory that we might fight against the Canaanites, and I'll likewise go with you to your allotted territory. And Simeon went up with him. <clears throat> we need to have mutual cooperation. Now, we may not always agree on doctrine. Uh, Church of Christ have different doctrine. Methodists have different doctrine. Church of God have different doctrine. Pentecostals have different doctrine. Uh, we, we differ on doctrine, but there are some things that we can join together on. We can join together on the fight against abortion and gambling and alcohol and pornography and drugs and all these other moral issues. But God help us to be willing to unite on these things, these kind of matters. We have the Bible for the Word of God. We have prayer, open communication with God. And then we have other believers working together on moral issues. That is fighting and that is winning the cultural war. And so the best thing for America is not for the followers of Jesus to be silent. But we are to take the stand for what is right. Not in our own eyes, but in God's eyes. Now, as we close out, the majority of you perhaps here this morning are professed Christians. You've been saved, been baptized, you attend church, but some, perhaps, still believe some things that you were taught in a pagan culture, a pagan culture. There are little pockets, perhaps, of, uh, of Canaanitism in your life. Little pockets, you still believe. You were, learned, you were taught it during, in this pagan culture we live in. You still have some values that you've accepted from, godless, from a godless culture. You've rationalized it. Some people justify it, and they'll stand and they'll defend it. But the point is, there's still some pockets of sin that you need to deal with in your life. You can't compromise with them. You better do battle with them. And I've said before, you need to repent, you need to turn from them, and you better go to war with them. Example, social drinking. You better fight that. You may justify it, you may rationalize it, you may talk about all the wine in the Bible and how it's used and all that, and I find that kind of comical at times to hear people try to explain away Drunkenness and alcoholism. But uh, that old Canaanite, if you're not careful, will come out and give you misery later on. So you better really fight that war. Pornography, gambling, I mean disguised as char charitable, bingo. May go to Tunica, just go down, have free food, have fun, get a hotel room. Better fight that. Pornography, watching HBO, reading magazines you shouldn't read. Better do that war. If you don't, the Canaanites are going to take over. You know what I'm talking about. Based on Judges chapter 1 through the end of the book. Look at verse 2. I'm finished. The Lord said, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I've delivered the land into his hands. So they're fighting the Canaanites. Look at verse 19. 
So the Lord was with Judah, and they drove out the mountaineers, but they could not drive out the inhabitants of the lowland because they had chariots of iron. They're fighting the Canaanites, verse 2, verse 19. They're fearing the Canaanites because they have chariots of iron. So how did they go from fighting to fearing? Well, it goes back to Judges chapter 21, verse 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. From fighting to fearing. Favorite song, I've used it before. It goes this way. If you're in the battle for the Lord and right, keep on the firing line. If you win, my brother, surely you must fight. Keep on the firing line. There are many dangers that we all must face. If we die of fighting, it is no disgrace. Coward in the service, he will find no place, so keep on the firing line. God will only use the soldier he can trust. Keep on the firing line. If you wear a crown, then bear the cross. You must keep on the firing line. Life is but to labor for the master, dear. Help to banish evil and to spread good cheer. Grant, you'll be rewarded for your service here, but keep on the firing line. When we get to heaven, brother, we'll be glad how we'll praise the Savior for the call we had. When we see the souls that we have helped to win, leading them to Jesus from the paths of sin, with a shout of welcome, we'll all march in. So, keep on the firing line. You must fight, be brave against all evil, never run or even lag behind. If you would win for God and the right, just keep on the firing Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together this morning and for reminding us of the culture we live in. Help us to be careful. Help us not to just do what we want to do, to be our own authority, but to trust you and your word. Lord, we, I make a mess out of it when I do what I want to do. And so, Lord, I pray, help me to realize when I do what I want to do, the mess is coming. But, Lord, when I do what you want me to do, you have the authority in my life. Things work out so much better. I pray for each person here, those who have listened this morning. I pray that we'll fight the battle for the right. We'll keep on the firing line. We will not give up, roll over, retreat. But we're going to march against the walls, the gates, of hell with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us to get up, help us to get out, and help us to share the gospel until you come. In Jesus' name.